never forget why you are the church. I'm probably not even turned on. Hello. I put it the wrong way. Anyway, all right, the book of Jonah. Uh, by the way, uh, I want you to know this morning, God is good. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to continue our study of Jonah this morning. Uh, Jonah, a prophet of God who shows us the dangers of saying no to God. Uh, we're going to review from last week. If you're there, then you beat me there. So let me get there real quick. Jonah chapter one, verse one and two. When you get there, say, I'm there. It says this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now with all of the authority granted, y'all hearing that? I'll tell you what, everything's going on right now. Y'all can laugh at my struggle. My goodness. But with all the authority granted by God, Jonah was commanded to go to Nineveh and warn them of the coming judgment. Now, I say command because God is not asking Jonah to go. God is not saying, hey, if it fits in your schedule, go to Nineveh and cry out against them. If it fits, if, it, if you have nothing else better to do, then go to Nineveh. That's not what he is telling Jonah. He tells Jonah directly, stand up and go. I would like to remind you that God is clear with what he desires from us. We have to stop with this I don't know excuse and just get up and go. Amen. You may think, well, I don't know what what God's specific will of uh, his will is for my life. Well, you know that it is to do good. You know that it is to obey his word. You know it is to rejoice always, to give thanks and everything. You know it is to go. Ye therefore, as you are going and share the gospel, if we would start with the things that we know, we might see more victory and more knowledge in our life. For example, you do not start a kindergarten out in calculus. You don't. You don't start me out in calculus. <laughs> listen, I took math and that was my. That's, listen, I, I count like a preacher, right? Six, 12, 16, 24. I, I always make sure there's more. But either way, listen, you don't start out someone uh, young in their faith with just saying, hey, well, what does God have for me? Well, let's, let's, turn, let's turn to Leviticus. Let's turn to this. Let's turn to all these things. All we need to know is this. What we do know that God wants from us, it'd be a good thing to obey. It. Amen? Because right here, Jonah knew. Uh, this week, I, I, I go ahead and tell you, uh, and I, I want to talk about how uh, we kind of stay in that I don't know uh, period of life, right? Well, this week, my car had an issue, which is outside of medical issues and, and, and something bursting at the house is like my third worst fear in life is something because I have no idea how to fix anything. So, so I'm driving down the road and, and uh, you know, you know that little uh, temperature gauge it has cold and hot. Well, the little light comes on and I'm glad it did because that's why they're created because I would not have noticed because I don't look at that all the time. And I look at it and it's all the way on H. I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I do know I better turn this car off. You know what I'm saying? So I pull it into this person's driveway and I sit there and I say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing in my life right now. But, uh, but you're going to have to help me because I, I just, you know, I, this, I might have to give this car to the people to live here. You know what I'm saying? Call an Uber because I have no idea. Well, here's the thing. If I would have stayed in that I don't know, I'd still be there. 
But you know what I did know? I knew a few numbers. So I go and I call Randy because I know he lives pretty close. And I said, hey, Randy, look, here's what's going on. And, and he knew. So he said, well, don't do this and do this. I'm like, okay. He said, does it look like anything is, is, is wrong? I was like, Randy, really? I, I don't look at my engine every day. I mean, it looks fine to me. It's just not working. So he said, well, I'll be on the way. And so he was on the way. And I called Corner Garage. And they knew even more than I did. And they said, look, as you're driving. Now, listen, it's a life hack right here. Okay. May not be to you, but just be excited for me. This is a life hack. If your engine is overheating, turn on the heat. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't laugh at me. That's cool. I did not know that. Listen, I thought they were trying to like, joke around. I was like, you're trying to get my engine blown up. Turn on the heat, going to get hotter. No, no, no. I turned the heat on, driving down the road, and this thing it was like all the way to I was like, this is really cool. Anyway, okay, listen, I guess all y'all are just certified mechanics. My, my. But either way, I'm running. You in that hand today, you know what I'm saying? But no, so, so what I'm trying to say is I got, they said, try to get it home. Well, at first I'm thinking, my car's going to blow up. I can't get it home. But then they told me things. So I did what I knew to do, even though it wasn't much. Does that make sense? I knew to call on who I needed to call on. I knew to uh, go ahead and do what they said because they know more than I do. And guess what happened? It's sitting in my driveway waiting for tomorrow to go to Corner Garage. Does that make sense? So, so I'm trying to tell you in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, if I would have just stayed in, well, I don't know what to do, I'd, I'd still be sitting there three days later. That, that's what the Christians are doing in the church. They claim they don't know, so they say, well, since I don't know, I won't. Since I don't know, I won't go. Since I don't know, I'll live my entire life for Christ sitting in a pew doing nothing except getting fed and fed and fed. You got to understand something. I would say that that uh, we have Christians that are that are nice and plump and and full of God's word. But in reality, if you look at the culture of church today, what we really have are people that eat once a week. And that's why they are spiritually malnourished. Listen, we got to start doing what we know we have his word. We have his spirit. We have those that God has put around us to guide us in his will. Let's not say that we don't know. You do know. Amen. God gave a direct command and Jonah gave direct disobedience. He also disobeyed, not just directly, but deliberately. Look at verse three. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a uh, ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, right here, what we see is we see um, partial obedience. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Jonah got up. I mean, it, the Lord says, hey, arise. That word arise means to get up, right? Arise, get up, go to Nineveh and cry against it. Jonah says, okay, I got step one. I will arise. But he didn't go to Nineveh, did he? No, he deliberately disobeyed God. You know, most of the time, now, listen, if you've ever been a parent, you understand what I'm about to say here. Most, if not all the time, partial disobedience actually is deliberate disobedience or partial obedience is actually deliberate disobedience. For, an, for example, uh, my child says, hey, go, go do this. Right. Please go do that. Right. And they do half of it. They purposely did half of it. They purposely did not complete the job, especially if I explain to them this is what the completed job looks like. 
So in the Christian walk, when we're walking and serving the Lord, listen, partial obedience is deliberate disobedience. Careful how you view people that are different than you, by the way. You say, well, why is Jonah being so stubborn? I don't understand why Jonah is a prophet of God. This is what he does. Well, keep in mind that uh, that phrase rose up uh, in verse three actually can have the meaning of hostility. So in other words, he rose up and he was hostile. He was angry. See, Jonah did not care about the people in Nineveh. In his mind, their destruction would be a good thing. He was bitter against them. So he allowed, and I see this in the church so often, he allowed bitterness against somebody else to dictate his obedience to the Savior. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That will create deliberate disobedience in your life. This morning, we look at the third part of last week that we were not able to get to. Jonah's disobedience was direct. Uh, His disobedience was deliberate. But we're going to see this morning that his disobedience was also dangerous. Jonah's disobedience was dangerous. So let's look at verses 4 through 10. If you're there, say, read. Amen. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, and so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and a lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee. For whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord and God of heaven, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, for your word. God, I thank you, God, for just putting this on my heart. Lord, I pray that I can communicate this in a way, God, that there is no excuse, Lord, other than to respond to your word. God, I pray that we understand how uh, dangerous it is to be backslidden before you. Lord, I pray that there's someone here who's not backslidden because they've never uh, turned to you. God, I pray today is their salvation for them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, Jonah may have attempted to flee and resign from his calling, but God was not done with him. We ought to be thankful, by the way, that God is long-suffering. Amen? I want you to understand something. Could you imagine if, if, uh, if God was not who he was? Could you imagine if God... Uh, had our character and us not have his character. Let me just tell you something. Some of us would already be condemned. Uh, we, we'd mess up and we'd say, oh, forget that. I'm out of here. we give up and we'd say, well, we're done with you. No, no, no. God is long-suffering to us. See, Jonah's disobedience brought him to a state of being backslidden. 
Has anyone ever heard the term backslidden? That may be where you are this morning, and I know that may sound funny, but I'm serious. Now, now, what does it mean to be backslidden? Look at Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Now, that word backslider in the Hebrew means to move away. That is from God. But that's not all. It also means to turn back. So we move away from God and we turn back to something. When someone takes a step away from obedience, then all of a sudden time goes and, and days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months, months turn to years. And before you know it, they have turned right back to those things that God had delivered them from. You say, how does that happen? You move away from the Lord. You, you, when, as you move away from the Lord, you, you forget the goodness of God. You forget all the things, his long suffering and the joy. And, and before you know it, you're looking for that again. And, and you turn back to those things that once held you captive. When a person moves away from the things of God, church, study, fellowship, prayer, and in no time they turn back to what once enslaved them. Immorality, drugs, alcohol, filthy living. They are a backslider. Real quick, go back to Proverbs 14, 14, please, brother. Notice right here, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. You may, we say, well, that, that sounds pretty good. No, 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 no. You do not want to be filled with your way. Because hear me right now, your way is not going to work. My way is not going to work. The, the path that we would choose naturally from our sinful state will always end up in misery. So as we are backslidden, don't think, oh, now I can have control of my life again. No, 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 no. The moment that my life became what it should have been is when I gave control over to the Lord. In everything, not, not just my Sundays, not just my midweeks, not just Phoebe, but in everything. See, Jonah here was backslidden and it was going to impact everyone around him. So, and that is the same for us today. So we're going to look at number one right here. Being backslidden will affect those around you. Being backslidden will affect those around you. Let's see what we're talking about here. Look at verse four in the beginning of verse five. It says this, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea. So the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth their wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. So Jonah here, we see he gets into the ship. God sends a wind into the sea. Now that word sent, right, literally means to hurl, to cast. This was no like little, this was no, this wasn't God just kind of waving his hand and kind of rocking the ship a little bit and then going, oh, oh, no, no, no. This was a storm. This was something very, very serious. That word tempest actually means overflowing rain. This was dangerous. The storm was so bad that the ship was looking like it was going to break. Have you ever been in a time of your life to where you just feel like everything's going to break? Whether it be your stability with your family, whether it be your stability financially, whether it be your, your spiritual stability with Christ, you just feel like, there's such a storm going on that you just sense that at any moment, my whole entire life could just break down. 
is what was happening to this ship. So what is Jonah doing? Well, we might say that's what Jonah gets. Jonah's trying to flee from the presence of the Lord, and God is making a point here. What about everyone else? Jonah here, really, if you think about it, we're going to see that he's quite selfish. Understand that these people were most likely Phoenicians. Uh, since uh, Tarshish was a Phoenician colony, and, and if you know anything about Phoenicians, they were well known for their abilities at sea. They were professional sailors. They are professional people. But yet this storm was different. Look, look at their response right here in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. The, the pagans were crying out to their false gods, doing all they could to keep the ship afloat. I want you to know something, church. If the church was not present in the world, you think there's evil now. When we get taken up out of here, and listen, you may, you may hold to a different uh, eschatological view. I look at all of them and I think, man, if, if all of them have a uh, 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 basis in scripture, uh, I want to go with the one that I'm going to be leaving out of here first. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, you'll get that when you study, I guess. My goodness. Y'all can just stay for the tribulation. I'll, anyway, okay. But no, think about it. Right here we see that, that because of God's man in disobedience, God sent the storm. See, everyone wants to blame our society and the state of the world on lost people. They say, well, if it wasn't for our government or if it wasn't for, for the, the, the corrupt councils, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for that. Well, let me explain something to you. That's pretty convenient, is it not? You know, it's real convenient. If you ever ask a child who did it, you know what they're going to do? They're going to point to each other. They're going to blame somebody else. I didn't do it, right? Uh, for example, uh, I accidentally left a piece of gum on uh, Mr. Lee's uh, little, little, little stand on the piano and and I thought she was going to quit on me. She said, Jay, who's this gum? I said, I, well, Miss Lisa's, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But I told her it was mine. But either way, right, we like to blame other people. We like to cast judgment, but don't ever cast judgment on me. Well, brother, sister, I, you're, you're living in sin. I, you know, I'm coming to you biblically to re, rebuke you in your sin and, and, and to, to lead you back in the way that we should go together. Oh, well, you don't understand. I, I'm doing this because of her. I, I'm living this way because of him. I, well, well, if my work, if my boss, if my kids, we like to deflect. I want you to understand something. The state of this world is not because of lost people. How, how about the backslidden saved folks who in their backslidden state have allowed evil into their homes, churches, and communities? I want you to know something. And maybe you don't remember, maybe it was a long time ago. Lost people act lost. You understand what I'm saying? They are literally living within the nature they were born in. Lost people are going to act lost. But when God's people turn back to the old ways, that's when sin in our society will grow. Violence, abuse, neglect, immorality. How can we point the finger when so many so-called church folks are doing the same Listen, we can either have a positive impact in our community or a negative one. 
It all depends on our obedience to the Lord. So Jonah's disobedience brought a storm. It affected every single person on that ship. Well, how about you? Well, and I've heard this, and I want to debunk this too. Well, my sin is my sin. It just affects me. Absolutely not. Let me ask you this. How does that addiction affect those around you? It don't just affect you. It affects everybody. How does your laziness affect those around you? Does your bitterness and unforgiveness affect those around you? Well, if you think it doesn't, you are exactly where Jonah was here in the story. His backsliding didn't just affect those around him. Please understand, yes, he, everyone on the ship was, was taking the consequence of the storm, but we're going to see number two here, his backsliding also affected his awareness. Look at, look at the end of verse five. We're going to go down to the end when it says, but Jonah. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. A great storm was about to destroy the ship and everyone on it. Where was Jonah? Taking a nap. He's snoozing. Now, listen, you might be like me. If there's ever yesterday, the storm came, right? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember the storm? Okay. Good. Just making sure we have, you know, common ground here. And, man, there's just something about a storm and a nap. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? You said, Jake, you're lazy. It was Saturday. Get over it. Okay? So right here, man, I, I laid down. I had little blinds open, but it was still dark because, you know, the storm's coming to destroy our home. And I was like, hey, you know, I'll worry about this later. I'm a little bit tired. So I laid down. Let me just tell you something. You ever get to the point when you're napped where you, you're, like, you're trying to open your eyes? You're just, and you just think, uh, evidently, the Lord wants me to continue sleeping. So you just kind of, that's where I was. Let me just tell you something. I was like, man, I want to hang out with my family. I want to, there's some things I want to do. But, man, I am tired, and it's so comfy. And I'd be hearing, like that right there. And, when I'm just like, oh, perfect napping. That's what Jonah was doing. How silly. How selfish. First off, how crazy. There was a tempest. There was a great wind. And Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Now, is that not how we can become so desensitized to the effect of our sin? We become so unaware of what our sin and disobedience is doing to those around us. We simply do not care. Our family's struggling, our friends, our coworkers, all because of our disobedience, yet we don't even realize it. What has happened is this. We have fallen asleep spiritually. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. How could a man allow his family to go to church while he stays home for no good reason? How could that possibly be? How could someone allow an addiction to ruin their home and, and, and when, their, when their life crumbles before them and their family leaves, they're just shocked. Well, what happened? How could someone fall into sin yet act comfortable in their sin? How could someone remain in that ungodly relationship and think everything's just fine and dandy. They have lost their awareness. They have fallen asleep. If I can say anything today that would help you, this may not be Nineveh, 
but wake up. Look at how unaware Jonah really was. Look at verse six. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Now, that's really fancy wording. I'd probably slap him in the face, say, wake up, dude. We're about to die. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is crazy. What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Do you not? But no, he says, he says right here, what meanest thou, O sleeper? In other words, what are you doing? Arise. Now, this is the this, Think about this. This is the second time he's been told to arise. Arise. Call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. See, these pagan worshipers had tried calling out to their false gods and the storm continued. I want you to understand something. If you go to anyone except for Christ, that storm is going to continue. You say, why is my marriage not getting better? Why is my parenting not getting better? Why are my kids not getting better? Why is this not getting better? Why is my uh, situation, circumstance, whatever you want to put in that blank, why is it not getting better? Well, are you obeying God or not? Sometimes we are so arrogant that we can kind of use God as a vending machine. God, when it's my time, everything's going good. I don't want to hear nothing from you. I'll thank you at, at dinner time. We'll, 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 you know, say grace at, at lunch or breakfast, whatever it is, but but, but don't really bother me. I will let you know when I need you. That's not how that works. They were so desperate. They wanted every person to call upon their God. They were trying everything. They, they, I mean, there was no shame in whatever was going. Hey, you got a God, call him. You got a God, call him. You got a God, go ahead and call him. Because we, we're about to, you know, we're about to die. Has anyone ever been on a boat? Have anyone been on a boat with a storm going on? Because I have not. I would say, listen, have you ever had those, uh, uh, watched those videos where there's like, you know, they're showing how the boat's like doing this. Like then there's a big old wave. Let me just tell you something. That gives me anxiety. Right? That makes me not even want to swim in a swimming pool. You know what I'm saying? Like this is crazy. Listen, this was really bad news. This was serious. They were trying everything they could. Here, here it is. A pagan ship captain had to call the man of God to pray. How shameful. How does this relate to us? In our sleeping state, we snooze in our sin and rebellion while people everywhere around us are crying out about to perish. Being backslidden affects your awareness. Let me tell you something. Your kids will be affected by you being backslidden. Your spouse will be affected by you being backslidden. Your family, your, your lost co-workers that you like to easily say, hey, I'd love for this person to get saved so you can kind of deflect all the sin in your life and make sure that everyone knows that you care about the lost, they will be affected by the disobedience in your life. But that's not all. We conclude today with number three. Backsliding affects your witness. Look at verses 7 through 10 again. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and a lot fell upon Jonah. Could you imagine, by the way, how nervous Jonah might have been? He's like, maybe I got a way out here, okay? And, and what that was, just so I can, it was actually a very common practice in the ancient Near East. And they would take rocks and one would be colored and they, they, they kind of cast them. Whoever it was, uh, that's, that's who it was. Right. We, we see in the New Testament when they uh, brought another disciple on. Right. But anyway, 
Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Mm. And, and whence comest thou? Where are you from? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord and the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Backsliding affects your witness. They knew this storm was no normal storm. This was not just we're going to wait this out. Uh, they, they, they cast lots, a common practice in the ancient, ancient Near East again. But, but th that should tell us right there that we should never forget that God is in control. We may try to run away from God. We may try to say, well, you know, I'm just not going to do that anymore. You, you know what? You know what irritates me the most? Just say, what, Jacob? Just tell me. Just ask. Let's, let's get involved this morning. You know what I'm saying? Y'all falling asleep right now. Are you hearing me? Wake up. But you know what irritates me the most is the I used to's. I used to. That's like when people come in and say they come into the gym for the first time. Well, no, not even the gym because they wouldn't go in there. But they come in and they, they ain't got no arms, but they ain't walking like they got arms. And I'd be like, well, what's your problem? And I used to bench 315. What does that got to do with anything now? I had a buddy one time. He was like, man, I can do it. I ain't going to name the buddy. I was like, no, you can. He's like, yes, I can. I said, no, you can't. He's like, I used to be able to. I said, well, let's go see if you can right now. Let me tell you something. We were sitting down right there, right? And we put all, we, we stacked it up, right? It was a machine because, you know, we ain't that cool. You know what I'm saying? So we, you know, little machines, you do this and that right there. And listen, we go like that right there, and he goes, hey, listen, hey, hey, and it's not that he was weak, it's just he hadn't done it in a long time. See, a lot of times, listen, a lot of times we like to say, well, I used to teach. I used to visit. I used to pray. Man, you don't, you don't realize I used to be the best soul winner there was in Lebanon, Tennessee. What does that have to do with now? We don't need any used to's. We need to understand that God is in control now. God is wanting to use us now, today. But here is when the most shameful part begins. Look at verse 8. He asked him a few questions. He, was, he said, we pray thee, we beg you, please tell us for whose cause this evil is upon us. Remember, they, they could very well die. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? In other words, who are you? What have you done? They knew the storm was due to his wrongdoing. It was divine in nature. So they asked the man of God, who was God's prophet to God's people, who are you? Could you imagine the shame instantly? Could you imagine you, you, you waking up and thinking, oh my goodness, it's a storm? And then everyone else is freaking out. And you you know why the storm is there. You know where you are with your walk with Christ. And, and then the lost people have to be like, well, what are you doing? It's like if someone ever comes in and and uh, maybe maybe we're whatever, hanging out or whatever. I got to be very careful because a lot of times I tell people, don't tell people, don't, oh, we go disc golfing, you know, sometimes and we'll come up to a person and it's just, I guess the people that I'm playing disc golf just love the fact that I'm a pastor. So the first thing they say, it's not, hi, how you doing? It's none of that. It's that he's a pastor. <laughs> By the way, if you ever go, go at, like, you know, hang out with me, don't do that. <laughs> that. That could very well close the door immediately. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want them to be able to kind of, you know, be comfortable. And then 
boom, you know what I'm saying? Like a little disc in the neck, you know? But all I'm trying to say is this. Listen, it, that's not because I'm ashamed of who I am, but we got to be very careful. Could you imagine if I'm sitting there and, 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 and I'm just using an illustration. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm throwing. It's not a good throw and I just start cursing. Whoa, man, calm down, dude. And then a conversation goes and we start talking about church and we're like, hey, man, we love Jesus. Do you? And I'm like, hold on, who are you? I preach. But they're shaming that. Listen, we, we, better be, we better be careful how we conduct ourselves around the lost. We better be careful. By the way, just because your buddies are saved doesn't mean you can become sin buddies with them. Let me tell you something. We, we, we've got it in a culture to where we think that, oh, well, as long as I'm a safe folk, I can do what we want. Absolutely not. Sin is sin. Amen, church? And this man who was just asleep, unaware of what God was doing, not a care in the world for those around him, look at his response. And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. There was nowhere else to hide. Jonah served the creator. He served the Lord. That is Yahweh, the God of heaven, the one in control over not just all the storms, but the storm that was going on right then. Could you bear having to proclaim that, knowing the same God that you speak of, you are turned away from? Verse 10 says, then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, why hast thou done this? That the sea, uh, sorry, uh, for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. His witness was hindered. The pagans were more concerned of his sin than he was. Church, is that not how we live so often? The one that we claim to worship, we directly and deliberately disobey and don't care a thing in the world about how that disobedience and backslidden state will affect those around us. I want you to hear something, a little bit of leaven, leaven at the whole lump. You say, what does that mean? It only takes a little bit of sin to mess things up. I want you to know that every single complication that we have in the church can in some way be directly attached to sin in the church. You say, why is the church so, so uh, just, you know, sometimes not fun? Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Why, why, why is this? Because we bring our sin in and expect God to do something great. We bring our sin in and expect that we can hide in the bottom of the ship and, and continue to sleep. Wake up. Where are you in your walk? Do you even care about the consequences of your disobedience? Or are you so unaware that your witness has been so hindered? Where are you at this morning? I love the book of Jonah because it shows us, and, and I'll tell you this, Jonah, and we'll get there in a little bit in the next coming week, Jonah doesn't necessarily end that well. You know, usually there's like a really cool story at the end, you know, a nice little ending like, you know, oh, and everything worked out. No, 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 no. Jo Jonah actually, the, the book ends with him, God really had to rebuking his bitterness and his selfishness. Maybe that's you today. What needs rebuking in your life? 
Not the person beside you. Not the person in front of you, behind you, but in your life. What needs rebuking in your life? Where are you disobedient in your life? Where's the partial obedience that is deliberate disobedience in your life? Where are you hiding? It's going to take someone in your family who may not know the Lord or somebody somebody at your work that may not know the Lord, somebody, whoever it is, to come up to you and say, hey, what are you doing? Why, why are you so sour all the time? Why are you so angry? Why are you so bitter? Why are you just, why are you so negative? Why are you so mean? What is it going to take? Can I tell you this? I'm not a lost coworker. I'm not a lost family member. I'm born again. And I'd much rather be rebuked by a brother or sister in Christ than someone who does not know Christ like Jonah was. And I'm here to tell you today, wake up and obey the Lord. When heads bowed, eyes closed all over this place.